shake yet? Yeah, you know where you like grab somebody and welcome and all that stuff because I felt like I didn't have enough time. So bear with me. I got to set all my toys up. All right. Well, hey, I'm Bruce Van Oven. I'm uh, one of the volunteers here at Vertical. And uh, yeah, just remember God uses the foolishness of this world, all right? Um, all right, so Rich come to me back in the end of April and he's like, hey, I want to know if you'd be willing to speak. And I was like, well, who's asking, you or God? And uh, he said, well, I believe God is. And I said, okay, well, I can't argue. So uh, yeah, who's scared to death that I'm up here speaking? Well, I thought I was going to be the only one, but I love you guys. You're my people, all right? <laughs> Rich is like, uh, I got my resume out just in case, all right? Well, um, so you, some of you guys know, I, I went to Bible college uh, only because, you know, the way my prayer life was leading me, God said before you could learn anything about the world, you need to learn more about me. So that's where I ended up, and I told you guys that story. Well, uh, <laughs> so here I am. So anyway, yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, I speak a lot to, ki- uh, to, to students and stuff. I, I get nervous in big people church, okay? It's one thing to do announcements. That's cool. I can be the hype man, all right? But it's, uh, I have, at the last, I've been, a, I've been a cop for 22 years. So uh, for 15 of those years. Thank you. Like 2005, 2006, I became an instructor with the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy and uh, specialized instructor in physical tactics, taught that for 15 years. Uh, that was an enjoyable, enjoyable thing for the first couple of years, and then you become old and it's no longer fun to be thrown on the ground. Uh, it, was, it was real nice, so I kept trying to get out of it, kept trying to get out of it, couldn't find somebody to mentor into it, and finally one year... I uh, went to my chiropractor after getting uh, recertified. You have to recert every three years to be a physical tactics instructor with the academy. So I was a close quarter combat fighter, and then I was also a ground fighting instructor. Well, those certify on different years. So two, every, like two of every three years, I was getting thrown around and beat up. It was a good time. Uh, so my last instruction recert, I was with this guy, I was paired with this guy, because you, you do the tactics on each other. This guy looked like a triangle that was upside down. And uh, he started throwing me down, you know, for these three days, kept throwing me down. So uh, I was like, and my side started, I said, well, why don't you throw me down on the other side? And he's like, okay, sure, you know. I got thrown down with such force, I'm like, dude, chill out. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, I, I fought semi-professionally down in Atlanta. I'm like, duh. Well... <laughs> I eat donuts all day, okay, so leave me alone. Um, anyway, I go to the chiropractor, and I walk in, and it's Dr. Wayne, and he, uh, he's like, all right, you look horrible. I'm like, thank you, nice to see you too. And he's like, bend over, and I stand back up, and he goes, what happened to you? I was like, I, well, it's a long story. He goes, did you get hit by a truck? And I'm like, no. He goes, your whole right side is locked up. I said, well, I got thrown down 300 times on that side, and he goes, 300 times, how do you know that? And I said, that's when it started hurting. I started counting. And he goes, you need to stop that. Is that, a doc- is, is that a doctor's order? And he said, yes. So that was the end of that. I was also, I'm still an emergency vehicle operations instructor with the academy. I go up and teach every once in a while. It's fun. I like to drive fast um, <laughs> when it's in a controlled environment. I hate driving fast around here. Um, 
I've taught taser. Yes, I've been tased a couple times. Uh, the worst, most excruciating pain you'll ever feel in your life. No, I'm not going to tase you. Um, I've also drive-stunned myself a couple times um, just to know what it feels like. And uh, in the words of my mom, who may or may not be here with my sister, uh, you don't do that again or you're getting a whooping. So I'm no longer going to get tased. Um, I'm a pepperball instructor still. I'm a senior instructor with the academy, which means not only can I teach outside, but I can actually teach inside and uh, teach younger uh, instructors. But that's, uh, that's kind of the way I am the way I am. So here's some ground rules. If you fall asleep, just like in law enforcement, you have to stand up and go to the back of the room, okay? Because if you don't, I may yell out push-ups, and we're all doing push-ups. <laughs> all right? And if somebody yells out push-ups, I may just drop to the ground. I can't guarantee a push-up, but I mean, <laughs> post-traumatic stress is a real thing, okay? So uh, that's how I'm used to teaching. I'm a brass tacks kind of guy. And I can get away with this because you all look at, at Rich and Dre, and you're like, oh my gosh, these guys have been saved since they came out of the womb. And you look at me, and you're like, well, if God can speak through a donkey, I guess he can speak through a cop. <laughs> so give me some grace. I know you guys are going to listen to me a little bit more, so, but I'm a brass tacks kind of guy. And uh, you ask George out there, I'm going to rip the band-aid off the wound kind of guy too. You know, if it's going to hurt, let's make it hurt now and let's get through it together. So, uh, I got my box of toys here and uh, I asked for a couple of props and uh, whenever you ask a child for props, you get more than what you want. So, we know we're going to be transformed today. This may or may not be put on my face today. But I, it was brought and you know, I'm not going to tell a kid no. So, um, you guys know what this is, right? It's a transformer. Who is it? Yes, the second greatest uh, transformer of all time. I don't care who you guys think is the best. I know that that young child is going around wearing his shirt, but uh, this is actually the greatest one. You know who this is? Optimus Prime. That's right. So if I get too wild, these might come off. And uh, I, I do have his shield, but I'm, not, I'm, so, I'm shaking so bad that uh, I couldn't put it on. Anyway, so that's my box of toys, all right? So I'm an 80s kid, and I did not know they were putting out a Transformers movie this summer. Um, but it's like the one where the, the, the rocks turn into stuff. That's whenever you knew that they jumped the shark. If you don't know what Jump the Shark is, uh, I would YouTube that and see about Jump the Shark, the Happy Days episode. Um, that's what modern-day Transformers have done, because real Transformers transform like this. Okay, not this garbage you hear, computerized stuff. That's how they do it. So even whenever I watch the movies, I'm doing that. All right? My wife loves taking me to the movies. <laughs> you know, I, I love those iconic sounds of the 80s. So like this one. Yeah. Okay, here's another one. I, I, I came up with this one the other day. What's that? Night Rider. Rider, yeah, see? Icons. You don't see no kids going around going, I, don't even, I can't even make that sound of Transformers. Because they, the, they do the real one. All right? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, he asked me to speak. I was scared to death. Because, you know, whenever I come up here and I do announcements, yeah, boom, God lays me stuff on me. And he, he's like, okay, I want you to speak. And I was like, God! we need to talk. So uh, he's like, what if you had just one message? I said, God, if I only have one message to preach, one message, what would it be? And this came to my mind. You know, 
I was not, I've not been a Christian my whole life. I went to church my whole life. I made several professions of faith. I dedicated my life whenever I was 18. But, you know, whenever I really started getting spiritually mentored, you, uh, this parachurch ministry gave us a Bible. It was, called, it was called the Transformer. And I thought, you know what? If I could just pour into somebody's life today the way that they poured into my life, that'd be all worth it. So I'm going to look at um, this, the Transformer scripture here. And yeah, it's, it's kind of juvenile, but you know what? Black belts still do the white belt stuff, all right? So even whenever I'm teaching or was teaching law enforcement guys, tactics, I still teach people how to put on handcuffs. I still teach them how to put handcuffs on the easy way and the hard way. <laughs> hard way is fun because you like get that one on, they start resisting, then you put it down like that, you drag, or drag them across the ground. Uh, it was really fun, like... Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of somebody here, like, I would say Chris Kermode, but it might have happened, so. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I love that guy. Like, Chris Mills. Okay, you know Big Chris? I had a guy like that once. He's, we were training, and he was like, I said, no, I want you to resist a little bit. I'm going to do this technique. And he started resisting. I took him down to the ground, and I drug his face across the concrete for about five minutes. I mean, five, five feet. Uh, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> That was not intended to be that way, but he got up, got up and he goes, it works. I'm like, yeah, it's because whenever you pass, when you practice the basics over and over and over, you know, you become good at it. See, one of the big things that in law enforcement, whenever you go to the academy, is attention to detail. So we're going to look at this scripture according to detail, right? So I was in court the other day, not, I wasn't on trial. Uh, I was there as the sheriff, kind of hanging out. Uh, that's one of the cool things I get to do now. So I get to go to, to court, and uh, whenever they come out, the jury and everything, I'm like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and when the judge does something really cool, I'm like, gong, gong. <laughs> I honestly don't even know that stuff. My wife watches all those garbage shows and everything. I hate it because that's not how it happens in real life. Uh, you know, we do not solve cases in 45 minutes. If you got a cop that solves something in 45 minutes, you either are dealing with a, um, an incompetent cop or an incompetent criminal. So um, anyway, so I'm sitting there. There's this one attorney. Is there any attorneys in the room? I figured it. You guys need to invite your uh, attorney friends. They need to know Jesus. So I'm sitting behind this attorney, man. I'm telling you what, he is, he is such an attorney. Oh, my gosh. Greasy hair. He... <laughs> He smells, he drives a nice car, and it's just like, you, you feel like if you touch him, it'll be dirty and sticky. Anyway, he's a great attorney, though. I'm scared to death of him, and I know he ain't watching. So anyway, <laughs> sometimes I throw those little grenades out to see if they'll go off, and sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Anyway, so he's sitting there. We got, we got the jury instructions. The jury instructions are very important, and I'm standing over his shoulder looking just to see how he's going to mess up this officer's case, this good officer who loves Jesus and is here fighting crime, loves justice and whatever. And this attorney's over here and he's got everything circled and underlined in the jury instructions. And I'm like, man, he's acting like this guy's life depends on it. And I'm like, this guy's life depends on it. He's doing the job he's supposed to do, whether I like it or not. So uh, Rich asked me to preach and I'm going through it. 
I learned a lot of the scripture that I quote, and I quote a lot of scripture to the team. It's kind of one of the things over the years that whatever worship team I'm on, I kind of become like a spiritual dude. I don't want to say pastor or anything, but I throw out those things, the little nuggets of wisdom. I memorize my scripture according to the New King James Version, or as we call it in Bible college, the nearly King James Version. So I will do that today. I'm going to quote some New King James, but I'll also go to the nearly inspired version. I mean, the new international version to uh, share the scripture, all right? So don't get caught up. So let's go ahead and look at our first scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we'll look at the NIV. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is God's will is, his good, perfect, pleasing and perfect will, okay? So I have trouble reading that because the way I learned it was this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and accepting the perfect will of God. I think that's what it is, okay? I'm a little nervous. All right, so when I start thinking like an attorney, and I get all sticky feeling. I look at urge, and I look at beseech. You know, I have urges. When I drive by McDonald's, I have an urge to buy a supersized fry. <laughs> Don't hate. When I drive past a good donut shop, I have an urge to stop. I don't beseech myself to stop. So it's like, why? Why, do we, why is there a difference? Well, it all goes back to Greek. And... Uh, while we're on, and I, I kind of skipped a slide here, let me go back to it. In law enforcement, whenever I teach, you always have to have an objective for the lesson, an objective for the training. So uh, my objective for this training is to uh, help you lead, lead a life that is more than meets the eye, all right? That was a, that was a I'm sorry, it would have worked better earlier. Gosh, stupid. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right, so I start thinking like an attorney. And I start looking at this, and I'm like, why does one version say beseech and one say urge? So we look at the Greek. Uh, the Greek says that uh, the word that's used there is a verb. It's parkalio, that's how I say it. And if that's not right, I don't care. It's because it's a dead language, all right? So deal with it. So the definition here is to send for, to summon, to invite, to beseech. Hey, I like whenever they're according to the nearly King James Version to entreat, to beg, to exhort, to admonish, to comfort, to encourage, to console, console. You know, I was looking at a word study about that word, parkalio, and when you break that word down, it means para and uh, kaleo. means close to, to call. Uh, they maintain this word, parkalio, is a believer offering up evidence that stands up in God's court. And the person who did so makes that call from being up close and personal. Whoa, I'm reading this and I'm like, hey, this is all coming together. Because Paul, who wrote this, I mean, he was up close and personal. He'd been on both sides. You know, the whole Saul-Paul thing. Being zealous for, for God. Paul is not just urging us as believers to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. He is strongly exhorting 
He's begging us. He's beseeching us. He's warning us. He's admonishing us. He's making that call to us as brothers and sisters because he's been up close and personal with Roman believers to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, which is the reasonable service. You know, Rich and I were talking about today and living sacrifice, and I said, you know, the thing about a living sacrifice is they can get down off the altar whenever they want. He goes, yeah, to do Jesus' work. I'm like, you're such an optimist. I've been a cop for 20, 22 years. Uh, tw- yeah, 22 years. I've lived through a lot of stuff. When I see people get down from service, they ain't stepping away to go do God's work. Sometimes they're stepping away and saying, that's it, I'm done. It's all about me. It's, I'm, I've taken too much. You know, when you think about a living sacrifice and a Christian, a Christian who changes the world lives sacrificially. Let me say that again. A Christian who changes their world lives sacrificially. They get off the altar. They don't just sit here in the church and offer up praises. They're not just consumers, but they're contributors. And some of them are even called to do what they do. Whether it be, you know, in the pulpit, at a desk like I am now, or on the streets. God calls every Christian, therefore every Christian is called. Um, when you think of sacrifice, and, and this is stuff that Paul's thinking of right now. He's talking about Old Testament Judaism, where basically sacrifices are sacrifices of blood and death. They happen daily. They happen weekly. They happen monthly, yearly, on various ever-recurring Occasions, the altars of the temple ran with blood of the dead bodies of slain beasts and birds. The temple was one vast slaughterhouse. But, but with Christianity, this is no more. For there's been offered one sacrifice forever. Our sacrifices of praise that we offer every week is not meant to just be here, ritually done every week every month, every year. It's supposed to be lived out. God wants your best, not what's left. He wants the best of you. He wants the rest of you. He wants your worship to be lived out out there, just like in here. He wants authenticity, not obligation. If I don't come to church, it hurts me. Like, we go on vacation, I'm watching online. And I know there are people watching online today, and I just want to say, hey, don't turn off. I know I'm not as good looking as, as Rich. I'm, I'm not as young as Dre. This, yeah, I'm sorry, it's gotten really dark. The, the, uh, the camera adds 10 pounds in 20 years, all right? So anyway, God doesn't want routine. He wants sacrifice. And it's so easy to become a routine Christian that we check the box off. Well, I prayed today. I prayed for that guy. And I, I'm guilty of that too. Whenever I pray, I pray the same things every day because they really mean a lot to me. But I also have to get out of that routine to live sacrificially. You know, Paul was talking all about this living sacrificially, but then he lays down some evidence here in 1 Corinthians 6. 19 and 20. And I'm not going to put everything, all these scriptures on the, on, the, on the wall here, just because, you know, you all need to go do your homework, all right? If you come here and you think that this is all you need for the week, you are sorely mistaken. I come and see him every day. And this is just stuff that I'm giving you to kind of dig into along the week. Like whenever Rich was preaching on Nehemiah, 
whatever he preached that week, man, I was reading that scripture over and over and over because if it meant that much to him, then it probably should mean something to me. God laid it on his heart. He wanted to lay it on my heart. So Paul's evidence that he lays out, he says, don't you know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Whatever you give, God belongs to him anyway. Whether you're going to Marathon to get a drink, whether you're stamping papers or whatever you do for your job, making cars, I don't know, taking out trash. Whenever I dedicated my life to Christ, the guy that ran that ministry, he knew that it was real because he came into the ministry that, that day that we were getting ready to have a, a big service and I was cleaning toilets. He goes, what the heck are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning toilets for Jesus. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, if I clean this toilet, it'll take somebody's eyes off of how disgusting it is and then put it on Jesus. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. You know, that's kind of what I was believing. You know, so he's kind of laying out, you know, your body's the the temple, the spirit lives within you. And, you know, the way I interpret it, everything we are belongs to God anyway. So people, the Romans are probably looking at this going, okay, and some of the, the Jewish people may be hearing this going, okay, yeah, everything belongs to God. So 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 14, well, this may be up here, it may not, and if it isn't, that's fine, homework. 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 14, this is Old Testament stuff, guys, this is like before Jesus, in case you didn't know, and I'm not saying that to be flippant, because sometimes people just don't know, and sometimes, you know, it just needs to be said. So here's what's, here's what's laid out in, in Chronicles. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, God, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted uh, as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give our thanks and our praise to your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. It's all his. Your life is his. And you can choose to either hold it like a something you own, or you can give it back to the creator who created you. So, laying that out, coming looking back to, to Corinthians here, 2 Corinthians 5.15, looking at this from Paul's thing, because Paul knew the scripture, because he killed people to, to stay faithful to the old way, but when God got a hold of him, but God, things changed. So 2 Corinthians 5.15 shows a believer's logical conclusion. Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You know, the scripture here again, we're all going back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You gotta live sacrificially. Sometimes you've got to lay it all on the field. If you can't lay it all on the field here, how are you going to lay it all on the field out there? 
You know, there's tables out there for people to get involved. We want you to be involved. This, this, this thing we'd call ministry here at Vertical is not an exclusive uh, club. It's not the good old boy club. It's an everybody club. Everybody gets to play. We got lights, we got sound, we got our computer graphics, we got musicians, we even have a drummer. <clears throat> and that's all I'm going to say. There are other ministries here too that you guys can get involved with. Everybody plays. And you're like, but I'm, I'm scared. It's okay to be scared. I'm scared. I get scared. You know? But whenever you're living beyond yourself, that leaves room for God to move. So, guys, live sacrificially. And remember this. Christians who change the world aren't conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. This world says, if it feels good, just do it. It says, if, if you don't want to do it, somebody will do it. It's not my job. It's the pastor's job. It's the bass player's job. Whatever. But I'm telling you, with this world and their thinking, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is death. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, Do not love the world or anything in it, because if anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. For everything we do in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whatever does the will of God lives forever. Guys, I can't say this enough. Read your Bible. It's not just something that, you know, Rich says is a catchphrase. It's a core value of our church. You've got to read the basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible, because it will change your life. The world says, if it feels good, just do it. The Bible says love. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's so many things about this that, you know, whenever I was doing this, writing this all out, I, had, I felt like I was that guy in the meme that has the, the whiteboard, and he's sitting there, and he's got all these different lines everywhere, and he's like trying to explain it. That's what I really feel like whenever I was putting this together because it's like I get so wrapped up in all these different rabbits I could chase. But guys, you got to live sacrificially. And I don't know what that looks for, like for you, but whenever you live beyond what's comfortable, you can do great things. Do you think I wanted to go out and spend two years of my life politicking? I hate politics. And you know what? I had a guy tell me that's very close to me. Sometimes sits out there in a, on a stool. <laughs> Guess what? You're a politician. I threw up in my mouth. <clears throat> Anyway, guys, live sacrificially. Nothing great comes from within your comfort zone. Don't be conformed to this world. You know, all these people that are talking things about you see something in you that they want to be or that they, they are intimidated by. God calls us to do great things. But you've got to transform the way you are. Christians who change the world are transformed. And it's real easy to, to reduce God's great teaching here 
into toys, <clears throat> but I'm going to do that because God uses the foolishness of the world. Galatians 2.10 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live is in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Guys, when you lay your life down as a sacrifice, you have that choice to get up and follow what God's calling you to do or to get up and walk the other way. And in this culture, it's real easy to, to put your Bible down. It's real easy to, to go along with the garbage that is our workplaces. But God is calling you. He is calling me. You know, one thing as I was praying for this, he said, these people are the answer to God's prayers. Somebody's praying for an answer to God, from God, and you may be that person. Step up. Live sacrificially. Don't be conformed to the world. Transform your mind. Luke 9 says in 23 through 26, Luke 9, 23 through 26, then Jesus said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself. Take them up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their life or their very self. Whoever is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. And when it comes, in his, when He comes in His glory, and the glory of the Father, and the glory of the angels. Guys, I'm a cop, all right? And I'm a Christian. And it's really hard to reconcile those. And some people instantly, whenever I got up or turned it off, you know, and I'm just going to be honest. I was not saved from the womb like Rich and Dre. I'm, I'm, I can be so spiritually zealous where I'm ready to lop somebody's ear off for Jesus. And in the next instance, deny Jesus. So whenever I'm preaching this stuff, it's coming right back at me. Whenever you point your finger, there's three pointing back at you. So whenever I'm throwing these out, just remember, it hurts because it hurts for me too. You want to change the world? Are you struggling to find your purpose, your calling? The answer is simple. Live sacrificially. Don't conform conform to the world. Be transformed. That's how you find God's will, His perfect will. Remember, God's mercies and grace yield your entire life to Jesus. Be that living sacrifice who gets off the altar and goes about and does His work sacrificially. Resist conformity to the thoughts and actions of the world. Focus on God's word and fellowship with him. Renew your, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now look, Paul talked a lot about this here with the, the scripture about being transformed, about living sacrificially and not being conformed and, and, and transforming the way you think. He had clout. People knew who he was. And I just want to be very honest with you. The next few moments are very important to me because I have some clout. And I want it to be very clear. This is not me talking about trauma trophies. Trauma trophies are those things where you see these old cops and firemen and medics that get around and and some cops like, well, that really hurt, you know. I, I had to 
I had to deal with someone who, who died in a car wreck. And then when another old guy's like, well, that's nothing. I once had this and this and this. So I'm not here saying, poor, poor, pitiful me. Or I, my, my hurt is worse than your hurt. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, if anybody can speak to you about life and death, it's me. Because I've arrested murderers. I've found murdered victims. I've arrested rapists and taken them to prison. I've been there in the houses that are disgusting, where your feet stick to the floor and you can smell the mice pee, where you can see the kids in their dirty diapers and the rashes because parents care more about dope than they care about Jesus and about their kids. This is life and death for me. Because there was a, script, there was a, a thing that my, my spiritual mentor, he always threw out, only one life will soon pass. And only what's done for Christ will last. Now, I kind of butchered that because there's an actual quote that I learned like this week from Andy that it was actually uh, only one life twill pass, soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. I don't know, and I'm not a scare tactics kind of guy, but I'm a realist. You could walk out of this room and die, it could happen. And I'm just telling you that because I know. One minute you're talking to somebody, and the next minute, gone. So I speak with urgency about it. I want you guys to know Jesus. I want you to know him. And maybe you're sitting here going, oh, great, here comes the scare tactics, the old-fashioned old uh, stuff. You know, No, I'm not a fire and brimstone kind of guy. God created you. He created you for a purpose. He loves you. And he gave you free will to choose him because he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you every day, every moment, every hour. If he didn't, we'd be just like these guys. It's like, God's like, you're going to be a car. You're a car, you're a car, you're a car. You'd never get to be the awesomeness of Bumblebee. And maybe something, maybe you're looking at your life and you're going, you're a dopehead, you're a dopehead, you're a dopehead. Or you're a failure, you're a failure. You're not popular. God's saying, no, put it in my hands. I'm not saying that you're going to beat dope eventually, uh, immediately. I'm not saying that you're not going to succeed at everything. I'm a screw-up, trust me. But he has something more, something eternally more. He came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. So I want you guys to know Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here and you don't really know Jesus, and you're like, man, Every week we talk about how you need to have a relationship with Jesus. We see this light go on and um, everybody gets super excited, but I, I don't know how to do it. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. You have to admit that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that includes me. And guess what? I will sin today. It's going to happen. I am no better than anybody. I'm just one beggar telling you where I found some bread, all right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's what Romans 6.23 says. Because of the sin in our life, we are separated from Christ. We are separated from God. See, God can't look on sin. It can't be in the same place. So we deserve to go to hell and be separated from God. That's not what God wants. God doesn't want that. Like I said, he doesn't want you to stay in the car. 
He wants you to be the cool guy who break dances. All right? Why am I? I love Optimus Prime, but I'm, not, I'm talking about Bumblebee. What, what the heck? Anyway, so to start learning and, and coming to know Jesus, you've got to admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And that's where the John 3.16 guy shows up with, the, with no shirt on at the football stadium, you know? For God so loved the world that he said that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through him. I'm, again, I'm in between New King James and NIV, sorry. But John three sixteen and 17. God loved you so much, he sent his only son to die for you. And I don't know if you have kids, but that scares the devil out of me to know that I would have to sacrifice my son to do that, to save somebody. John 14, 6. This is one I like. Jesus answered whenever he was asked the question, how do you get to heaven? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So you want to get to heaven? Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. and That he can wipe you clean. Because it can happen. Now, a lot of people, now I'm, I'm going to quote this one. I'm going to quote it in New King James. And, uh, you know, they'll probably show it up there in the nearly inspired version. That's okay. And I may read it that way because I, I, like, I like my scripture to hurt on the way down. All right? When you're lifting weights, it's, like, it's, it's good to burn because you can tell that I lift weights a lot. <laughs> Shut up. Guys, that, you know when it hurts, you're not just getting the milk, you're getting the meat. And I, sometimes that's what the New King James does to me. So Romans 10, 9, and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Now, we'll read this NIV version. But what I say whenever I quote that scripture to people and I lead people to Jesus is this. If you can tell somebody about Jesus and mean it in your heart, then it's something real. If you can't tell somebody about Jesus, how real is your faith? Are you living sacrificially? Are you conforming? So let's look at it here real quick. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hmm. God loves you guys. He loves all of us. All of us. He's not changing. He still loves people. So Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. You know, like I said, I, I speak to a lot of students. So I, I got the good, tried, and trusty thing that I want to do. And some people say it's hokey and cheesy. I don't care. Like I said, God uses the foolishness of the word. So let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, you are here walking and breathing and, and living amongst us right now. And there's people here that don't know Jesus. And uh, I just want to pray for them, let them know that I love you. I love them. I love you guys. I've been praying for you guys since April 18th, every day that you come to know Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus, but you want to. I'm going to give you a real quick, simple, easy prayer. I want you to pray it out. 
pray it after me. You can pray it to yourself. You can pray it out loud. I don't care. Just say this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. I know because of my sin, I deserve to be separated from you. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I want him to come and live in my life and cleanse me of my sins. Help me to become everything that you created me to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Guys, after the service, there'll be prayer teams up here. If you ask Jesus into your heart today, come up here and tell somebody because that's the first step, confessing Christ publicly. Maybe it's just coming up and saying, hey, I, I prayed today to ask Jesus in my heart. That's that stepping out and living sacrificially. But we're not done yet, so don't, you know, start checking your email yet. God loves his people, and there's some other people here that are like, you know what? I need that touch of Jesus. He called me. I used to give a lot to Jesus. I used to give a lot of my time, my talent, my treasure, but I fell off. God took away my ministry. God took away my, my, my service. No, he didn't. If you look, you know, at the beginning of the, that, of the scripture today, it said, therefore, he was talking about something the previous chapter there. He was talking to, the, to the, the believers saying, you know, God's moving in a new way because you guys can't get your head out of your ear and um, follow and listen to him. Romans eleven twenty nine kind of stuck out to me. This is for you guys. God's gifts and calling are irrevocable. You want to serve again? You want to lead again? God didn't shut that door. You did. So I, my, my challenge to you is just, I want you to pray, God, open the door. Get me past my hurts and my hang-ups. Help me to live sacrificially. Break my heart for what breaks yours. One more scripture. Well, two more scriptures. Because like I said, that door's shut. You're separated from God because there's sin. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Psalm 51, 17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Your, you, God, will not despise. Contrite. What's that mean? Remorseful, repentant, regretful, sorry. Guys, that's why we have the prayer team up here every week. You can't do life alone. You got to have a battle buddy. That's what we call it in, in, in our emergency service things. A guy you can bounce things off of. That's why we're here. You want to see a great movement of God in your life and in your church and in your community? It has to be seated in prayer. Right on. I love you guys. I really do. And I really believe that God's going to do great things in our community. Prayer team will be here. Let's pray and close out the service. In Jesus, Jesus' name, I just pray right now a blessing over this church and over the people here. I pray for the people who may have came to know you as their 
personal Lord and Savior. I pray they'd have the, the courage and the faith to step out to a leader, to the prayer team, to the pastors, and say, hey, I gave my heart to Jesus today. Because in doing that, they're living sacrificially. They're not conforming to the world that says, shut up. We don't have any room for God in this culture. They're renewing their mind. They're being transformed into something greater. God, I just pray for those people. I pray for the people whose ministries and whose service has been shut, Lord, because of sin. I pray that they would confess their sins because if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, Lord. And I just pray for blessings upon this church and on this community and on this world, Lord. I pray that you do great and mighty things. We're calling on you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Guys, thank you. Have a great day. Sign up on the tables. Get involved.